Evan and Haley back with us for part of the service. As you know, they go on to uh, the Church of God, which is Haley's tradition, to help them worship as well. And we are proud of them for what they do and glad that they could be with us for at least even part of today. We're going to read from Matthew. Uh, you're here the gospel text through the, through the summer, but I'm going to preach on the Old Te- Older Testament Hebrew Bible text. Um, we're in the 10th chapter of Matthew. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. 
It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy, destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others will also deny before my, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Now we turn to Genesis. Remember, we're studying the family of Abraham, the family that put the fun in dysfunctional. And we get a whole lot more of that today as we learn about Hagar and Ishmael. The child Isaac grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman and her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son, Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac, that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. 
And she, just, she departed and wandered about the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she cast her child under one of the bushes. And then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about a distance of a bow shot. For she said, Do not let me look upon the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Now watch this. This is important. And God heard the voice of the boy. But the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy. And he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So imagine, if you will, they're throwing a party in your house for your little brother, well, little half-brother. He's three now, cute as he can be, running around all over the place, and people are excited because he's lived to be three. He's not like all those other little kids around who haven't made it. He's going to grow up and be a great great leader of people. Now you're about, say, 10 years older than he is. And so you can appreciate the importance of this day and you can celebrate with him. After all, he's your brother. He's your father's son, just like you are. And your dad has thrown a big party and all the people around come to have a good time and celebrate your brother. And at one point during the party, the two of you are running around, playing with each other, having a good time, and you know, what's her name? Mrs. Smith from down the road, the busybody, comes up to you and starts making over you and your little brother. Oh my... Aren't the two of you so cute? You look just like your daddy, Abraham. Wait, both of us look just like our daddy, Abraham? You know, 
your skin's a little darker. After all, your mother's an Egyptian. But we must seem awfully the same to these people. And as they make over us, they talk about what good personalities we have and what marvelous parents we have and how glorious it will be that now Abraham has two sons to carry on his family name. And before you know it, Abraham's mother Sarah has snatched you up by the back of the scruff. Do y'all know the word scruff? Got you by the scruff and carrying you out. I can envision this as being part of the way that Ishmael gets in trouble with Sarah. The word here in Hebrew that is translated as playing or mocking doesn't translate well. In fact, this word was one of the words that I was told when I took Hebrew from my Hebrew teacher was a reason that we need to still study the languages in the the Bible in its original language because the word is actually that Ishmael was itzaking around. He was Isaacing around. He was acting like his little brother. And oh my, Sarah was going to have none of it. Sarah knew her son was the one to inherit. Sarah knew her son was the one to take on all his family's traits, all his father's wealth and prestige. How dare this son of a slave, this son of an Egyptian... Try to act like her boy. (laughs) And so she goes to Abraham and says, throw them out. Cast them away. Now let's be clear about this. This word, cast them away, seems very harsh, and to a certain extent it is, but what we know about that word culturally is It really is a mark of the slave master setting the slave free. When a slave was cast out, they were set free. They were able to go on their way, no longer indebted to their master. No longer would Hagar stand under the fist of Sarah. Typically, these were wonderful days. Slaves were given all kinds of goods and sometimes even parties thrown for them as they went on their way. There's no reason to think the same didn't happen for Ishmael and Hagar, except the only thing we hear about is one lousy little scrawny loaf of Wonder Bread and three gallons of water.
you watch a Juneteenth celebration, they have a lot more than one loaf of Wonder Bread and three gallons of water. If you wander in the desert, three gallons of water isn't going to get you very far. And so the boy, the lad, the young man, whoever he was, whatever age he was, is on the verge of death. And like any good mother, Hagar cannot look upon the death of her own child. And she goes away, and she is the one that prays to God. Now the text says that God hears the boy. Isn't that unusual? She's the one praying, but it's the boy that God hears. Why would that be? Well, because the boy is the one who will carry on the promise of God. Only later does Hagar hear that Ishmael will become a great nation as well. God's promise to Abraham isn't just to Isaac. It's to Ishmael, too. See, Sarah's problem in this whole story is she thinks that God can only keep a promise this big. That the promise has to come through her son. It can't come through anyone else. And we learn in this text, no. God's promises are far beyond anyone's imagination. God promises to carry on the nation, not just through Isaac, but through Ishmael. She prays to God. God hears the boy's cries, the cries of the one hurting, and answers. Answers by providing a well. Exactly what they need in exactly the time they need it to exactly carry out the promises that God has made. And somebody's going to say to me, now, Pastor, the well was there all along. How come she didn't see it and what was going on? But I don't know. Don't know. Here's what I know. In this story, the one son, Ishmael, that is going to carry on God's promise to Abraham is spared by God through the miracle of a well appearing. Next week, we're going to hear a story about Abraham's son Isaac who was at the sacrifice, being spared because a ram suddenly appears in the thicket and spares Isaac so that God's promises can be fulfilled. God provides what we need so that God's promises to us will be fulfilled.
Listen, God doesn't promise you that your marriage will be healed without giving you a good therapist. God doesn't promise you that your body will become whole without finding you a good physician. God doesn't promise you that you will find financial peace without providing you with a good fiscal advisor. Friends, those things are your well in the desert, your your ram in the thicket. God keeps all of God's promises. And not only that, God provides every single thing we need to fulfill those promises. When you're sitting at home, praying and reading your Bible, and you hear the Lord's voice speak to you and offer you a promise, Don't think that's just empty words. I sat in this parking lot a little over two years ago and heard the Lord say to me, I want you advance. And I said, <laughs> you're out of your mind. I got to be hearing you wrong. And not only am I hearing you wrong, you haven't heard me preach. And I heard again and I kept listening. This was once the flagship church of our presbytery. It will be again. This building was once full. It will be again. We make a difference in this community. We will do that again. The promises of God that I heard over and over again for God's people as they gather in this place. And then I come here. And I see a budget that allows us to sustain the good work we're doing. And I find a worship team that is incredible and can play any kind of music at any time on the fly if they need to. Well, we better wait till you play the next hymn before we say that, huh? (laughs) I find people that are ready to receive one another. And to be a community of faith. And people that are excited about the possibility of serving God outside these walls as well as inside them. The promises of God always have God's provisions to back them up. And that, my friends, is our hope. For this day, as it was Ishmael and Hagar's hope so long ago. Thanks be to God. Amen.